Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. High noon on a Thursday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory for the next two hours here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, it's Steelers Blitz. Between the two of us, we've got a decade of NFL experience and a really good head of hair. It's up to you to figure out the rest. But what you should know by now, you want to chime in anytime over the next 120 minutes you can get at us on the dot com of course i'm talking the twitter.com at wesley euler at the body 52 the body and uh, arthur motes we begin the program today we got some moving and shaking happening uh around the division right now around the north particularly with that team that we find ourselves competing with in the north just about every single year for the crown the baltimore ravens Uh, It looks like the first dominoes maybe are starting to fall as we uh, slowly approach trade deadline week here. It's still one more week to go after this week. Week eight is the trade deadline. Uh, This is week seven, but we're starting to see some teams who are kind of accepting their fate for the year, (laughs) Uh, willing to part with some assets. One of those is Yannick Ngakwe. The Minnesota Vikings have shipped him to Baltimore. Yeah, man, he just got traded to Minnesota earlier this season, obviously. Um, I think for Yannick, though, it's going to be a really good situation, getting on a contender now. Uh, Also reuniting him back with Calais Campbell. I mean, it sucks for us. We don't want to see that. But (laughs) in terms of Baltimore, I thought that was a really good move by them. They have been hurting in terms of generating consistent pass rush. Matthew Judon has been able to to have numbers, but in terms of the way he goes about getting the sacks, he's not a guy that you can just drop out there and he's going to get 10 sacks without it being scheme-related. So for them, man, I think this is a good thing. And for what they had to give up, a a third-round pick for next year and a conditional fifth-round pick for the 2022 draft, I think that's a really good deal for Yannick. I mean, I understand you're going to have to potentially sign him to a longer-term deal, but for what they're trying to do right now, because they fancy themselves as contenders the same way the Steelers do, it's win now, Mo. You don't have time to to keep laboring through and hoping for maybe next year or the year after that. Right. No, yeah, you got to push all the chips to the table right now, and that's what it looks like the Ravens are doing, man. Then it's also reports that they're even looking at uh, bringing in Des Bryant. They're, yeah, they're, to their um, practice yeah, squad, I think. Yeah, yeah which is uh, in the, the year of 2020, that's normal right now. You, you <laughs> sign veterans to the practice squad right, to check right. their conditioning level, get them up to speed with the scheme, and then from there you put them on the active roster. Shout out to the 2020 mm-hmm. one-off year rules mm-hmm. in that department mm-hmm. so you can, uh, are allowed to do that. But, man, Baltimore is definitely making some moves that, that are, are going to be raising some eyes, man. Yeah, they <sighs> – they haven't been shy to try and take advantage of uh, Lamar on his rookie deal while they still can. Mm-hmm. I mean, they acquired Marcus Peters, right? Um, Kenny Young, that linebacker from the Rams, they traded right. for him as well, too. Now, Yannick and Gakwe, they have not been shy about making moves. And yeah, that that's where they have maybe not been quite up to snuff as to where they were last year as, as a 14-2 and team in the top seed in the AFC. They need some more playmaking ability at the wide receiver position. They haven't been passing the ball as well as they did last year, and they haven't been as stout on defense, particularly at getting after the quarterback. So two moves in that regard for the Ravens today. And also, Arthur Motes, after we uh, cut these microphones off and went our separate ways yesterday, some news about a former wide receiver, Mm -hmm. formerly of this parish, Mm -hmm. Antonio Brown. Uh, interested, apparently, the Seattle Seahawks, one of the teams looking at A.B., according to Adam Schefter. There's a couple other teams, but the Seahawks kind of think that they're uh, in the pole position, if you will. Are you surprised by this? I-, I just figured if a team was going to bring him in that they were going to do it during training camp so that they could still get some time to work with him before that eight-game suspension. It seems like, I don't know, bringing him in now, you- you're just kind of you're behind. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I was like I said, I was surprised as well once they announced the suspension. 
the assumption was that was the biggest reason why he wasn't signed was right. because the right. lack the of game knowing oh, how long yeah, the suspension yeah, yeah, was going to yeah. be. But once they figured that out, it made perfect sense for teams to bring him in during training camp. It wasn't going to cost you anything from a contract standpoint. Number two, you were going to get a chance to evaluate him, see how he meshes with your team, see what things you could do or things that he could do to benefit your organization from an offensive standpoint. And then obviously during the eight weeks that he would be suspended away from the facility, he would already have the material. He would already be having communication with right. the coaching staff so we could all be on the same page. And once his suspension was up, then he could come out there and be, I mean, super effective. But right now, it, it just doesn't really make a lot of sense in terms of, okay, if you sign him in, what, it's week six right now? So if you sign him in the next two weeks, right, once the suspension ends, I mean, I'm assuming you would bring, you would bring him in to do similar to what Dez is doing, sign him to a practice squad initially. Right to get him up to speed, see what his conditioning is, make sure that he understands the offense enough, and then mm-hmm. go from there. But it's just, like I said, it really doesn't make sense that you wait this long to do it. And I kind of yeah. feel that's what – I mean, and I kind of felt that's why Baltimore went the Des Bryant route a little bit as well because, let's be real, they were a part of that quote-unquote phantom mix of teams. Right. It was supposed to be them and, and Seattle as frontrunners. And commented right? on that in And the we've past. seen numerous yeah. players on the, Ravens organ, uh, on the Ravens team talk about their interest in A.B., but you go out and you you bring in Des Bryant instead. I felt like if you felt that way, you would have done it prior to the season starting and the suspension becoming effective. So that's my biggest question with that. And I understand we're seeing the reports of the interest, but then it just makes you wonder, like, all right, is this real interest or is this generated from an agent or outside party, which we know happens. I mean, we could point to numerous instances where, all right, the interest might not be there, but you (laughs) throw out, hey, league sources, or you throw out, man, this couple of teams has really been blowing up our phones about AB. This is close. And then it could generate that that phantom interest a little bit. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out because – Trust me, we all do it, though. I've been in negotiations, and you're like, hey, man, they they throwing big money around over here. What you going to do to match that? (laughs) Hey, business is business, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, You're right, because when they initially said, okay, it's going to be an eight-game suspension, you and I thought, all right, this opens the door for him to to get into training camp with somebody to potentially get on a roster. Then when that didn't happen, we were kind of like, all right, well, you know, maybe maybe this is it in a way. Oh, I don't know. It'll be really interesting. I do think... This is something you and I talked about over over the uh, the quarantine as well too. Quarantine, like he just kind of needed to disappear for a little bit from the spotlight. You know, just stay off social media, just be quiet, just go away for a few months, and and a, and a team will will give you a second chance. And he did, do and he's that done. For he's the done most that. part. Oh Absolutely. yeah, I mean we we haven't really heard from him at all this year. Um, and so yeah, but I I am I'm with you. It it will be interesting to see. If there's truth to this Seattle rumor, if it's another team and maybe they're just kind of trying to, to drum up some additional interest. Because, yeah, I, I am surprised that nobody nobody bit during training camp. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of them things right now. I mean, it's crazy to think that this is the conversation we're having about AV where two years ago, I mean, it was a yeah. totally different situation, a total different It was who's the best wide receiver in the him. NFL. Correct, man. AV or Julio Jones. Right. I mean, it's crazy right now, man, honestly, with this scenario. But such is life in the NFL, man. When you live like that and you create that type of cir- circumstances and situations surrounding you, this is kind of the, the consequences of said action. So. Yeah. Yeah, he's got to deal with it, man. Hope for the best. But for me, I just hope that, man, even if this – I mean, regardless of how the interest is generated and regardless of if he gets signed and when he gets signed and where he gets signed, less about that. I just hope that A.B. as a person is in a good space, man, because you would yeah. hate to see, all right, he gets brought back in the situation and kind of relapses and backtracks. And I mean, and we've again. seen yeah. this before. Now, not necessarily with the same issues, but we've seen – troubled players continue to have issues pop up, whether it was Martavis, whether it was Justin Blackman, whether it was Josh Gordon. Like I said, some of those were more substance abuse related, but we've seen guys who kind of are super talented but can't get out their own way. I just hope it won't become that scenario wherever he does end up at. Well said, Arthur Motes. Well said. We're going to be joined by our buddy Brian Backo here on the program. The Picking Phenom. In about eight minutes as we really start to turn the page here to Titan Steelers, we'll discuss all things Derek Henry related with Mr. Backo. We will get his uh, his pick as well, too, before he gets out of here. Don't worry. We'll hold his feet to the fire about what happened last week. I mean, Mr. Backo. Mm-hmm. 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 It's swinging a miss. Woo!
But that's been his mo this year, man. <laughs> hey, take it easy, all right? It's yeah, early I mean, in the yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. early in uh, the uh, season. Uh, uh, uh. I, I told you, ever <laughs> since that boy dropped that thirty burger with the Texans, I said, "Oh no, nope, <laughs> nope." I I can't take the disrespect no more. I don't know how much we'll talk about Thursday night football before we get out of here. Maybe a little bit, but I mean, ugh, one and five versus one four and one. I mean, that's just a whole lot of ugly tonight in the NFC East. Giants, Eagles, but did you see Zach Ertz? IR. IR. I did. That's a big loss for the Eagles because I think Goddard's already on yes, IR, correct? So they are down to bare bones at uh, at the tight end position. Giants, Eagles tonight. Brian Backo up next. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. Get those tweets. Keep them rolling in here on a Thursday, all right? We know everybody likes to save their tweets for Friday, but you know, we answer them on Thursday, too. We got a couple coming in here already. Uh, Don Juan uh, tweeted us and asked uh, about the Ravens' moves today and what we thought about that. That's kind of what we touched on to start the show, but as we go forward here... I hate the moves, though. I hate them. I hate them. Don't like them. You know what the Baltimore Ravens should do? What should they do? Is they should trade all their good players mm-hmm. to everybody else. Ooh. Trade all very nice good, of them, too. The Baltimore Ravens, you know what? They should trade all their good players for everybody else's bad players. Exactly. If you, if, you, if you really want to prove how good you are. I mean, Harbaugh, you won't. I mean, you're a pretty good coach, right? I mean, if you want to coach these guys up, let's see what you could do. You could get coach of the year that way. I double dare you. <laughs> <laughs> I triple dog <laughs> dare right. you. Brian Backo up next on the other side. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Second segment on a Thursday, we go to the phone lines as always, joined by our good friend from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Nobody covers the Steelers like Mr. Brian Backo. Let's get right into it here. Buddy, do the Steelers... Yeah, well, some people cover the Steelers better than me, but nobody does it quite exactly like me. I'll, I'll give you that. Well, that's just your opinion, man. I think you do it the best, <laughs> but hey, you can be humble. That's all right. I'll be your hype man over here. Uh, do the Steelers need an outside replacement for Devin Bush or what they got good enough? I think what they've got is, is good enough based on what I saw from Robert Spillane Sunday against the Browns. And I think that position in particular pretty tricky to go out and, and find someone who's going to be coming from another system, coming from a much different situation, and, and being able to plug and play in week seven. Now, it's, it's going to be tough for Spillane, too, don't get me wrong, but he's at least been in this defense for not only all of this year, but for most of last year, too, when you factor in his work on the practice squad. So I think that's one of the reasons that it gives Mike Tomlin and company uh, maybe a little bit more confidence in him being able to step up and rise to the occasion rather than, uh, you know, the, the idea that they should rush out and try to get the, the best guy available from one of the other 31 teams. So following that, what do you think is your biggest concern with Spillane then? Probably his range most. And, and I know he looked good in that regard on Sunday, but there's a reason this guy was undrafted coming out of college. Uh, you know, he, he was a second team all-conference guy in the MAC at Western Michigan, which to the Steelers is like being an All-American, I guess. Because <laughs> much they love their Mid-American Conference products, but uh, it's you know the speed is, is nothing special. Uh, you know, I think he was high four sevens at his pro day, certainly faster than me. But for these new-age uh, inside linebackers in the NFL, uh, you're not going to be deemed as a coverage guy when when you're running that kind of time. So. Uh, the coverage ability is, is going to be what is Spillane, uh, maybe his biggest weakness, but uh, we'll see if the cerebral aspect of, of what he can do covers that up a little bit. Brian Backo, our guest here on the Steelers Blitz. Buddy, we had been talking a lot about possession downs after Philadelphia, right? Ten straight third down conversions for the Eagles, 10 out of 15. Money down. The money down, and I tell you what, a complete 180 in that regard against the Browns, right? One for 12 on third down, 0 for 3 were the Browns on fourth down. All three of those manageable short fourth down situations, the Steelers snuffing all three of them out. Uh, Very nice response in that regard. No doubt. I think part of it too, though, Wes, was flow of the game a little bit. I mean, against the Eagles, you were playing with that that lead, but it was getting 
tight there in the fourth quarter. So uh, you, you had to be a little bit more uh, cognizant of, of what was going on with the sticks and, and not giving up the big play that could uh, change things late. The Steelers were off to such a big uh, advantage against the Browns that they were really able to pin their ears back and just make life very difficult for Baker Mayfield, his O-line, his wide receivers. And, you know, let's not overlook, uh, the, the Browns might have some, some big names like uh, Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, but they don't have the ultimate weapon to go to on third down. Travis Fulgham, number 13, <laughs> bounced back once again with another huge performance for the Eagles uh, last week and for the 7-5-7 mode. Talk about it. <laughs> now sticking with that uh, Steelers-Browns matchup uh, from past Sunday, what were you most impressed with by the Steelers? I think the fact that they were able to play such a complete game. I mean, someone asked me this in my mailbag, which will be up shortly at postgazette.com. Was this the most complete game the Steelers have played in the last three years? Certainly nothing came close a season ago because the offense was just never going to be able to reciprocate uh, the energy that the defense was bringing and, and just the production of this unit in 2019. But I, I went back to 2018, and the, there were a couple good wins. I mean, they pounded the, the Falcons at home. That, it was almost so ho-hum that you don't even really remember much about it. At least I don't. They beat the Browns at home pretty easily, which, of course, they did. But then there was that Thursday night game against the Panthers, 52-21, oh, yeah, and, and yeah. it was 52-14 to 14 until Christian McCaffrey got the junk time touchdown. So I'd have to go back to that one to think of a game and, and remember the defense got a pick six and that one from uh, Vinny, Vinny Williams as well. So uh, to me, the fact that they were able to play such complimentary football against the Browns, everything working in unison, uh, maybe you know for the best time since that Panthers win, uh, that's what stood out to me. I mean, you, you come out of that game not even talking too much about one side of the ball or the other because they were just so balanced and both sides were, were playing off of each other. Minka gets them the early lead with the pick six, and, and it was all gravy after that. Now, we did have some movement taking place in the AFC North today. Obviously, the mm-hmm. Baltimore Ravens yeah. uh, made the big trade for Yannick Ngakwe, and they uh, are looking to sign Des Bryant to the practice squad as well. So just uh, what were your reactions to the movements, man, by the Ravens, and ultimately what does that mean for the Steelers and for the NFL as a whole? I don't know that their moves that are as – significant as they seem on paper. I mean, Ngakwe's playing really well this year with the Vikings, but I always thought the Ravens' pass rushers were a little bit better than people gave them credit for. Like, Matthew Judon, to me, is still kind of underrated in the NFL world at large. Maybe it's because he was from a small school, wasn't a real high pick, but but he's a beast. We saw that in Week 17 last year down at, at M&T Bank Stadium. Now you get Ngakwe probably on the opposite side of him. And, and it's going to be interesting to see how much he uh, can produce for a Ravens defense that, that already had a lot of talent in the front seven. Des Bryant, he might be cooked. He's about to turn 32 uh, in a couple weeks, I believe. So uh, they're a receiving core that's always kind of looking for uh, a number one playmaker. Hollywood Brown has pulled off a little bit from what he was doing as a rookie. Uh, the Devin DuVernay from Texas isn't doing a whole lot yet in his first year. Miles Boykin, who a lot of people thought was similar to Chase Claypool at Notre Dame, he's just not thriving the same way Chase is here. So uh, Dez is, uh, you know, again, like I said, he, he's going to raise some eyebrows just because he's been out for so long. But I think Ngakwe clearly uh, is going to be a guy who, who's going to have a bigger impact on that game next week in Baltimore than, than someone like Dez Bryant might. Now, were you surprised that the Ravens went the Des Bryant route versus some of the other available names that are out there? I'm surprised by both moves, quite frankly. Like, again, I thought they had some young talent uh, on the edge that, that they could eventually you know, coax something out of. But when you look at what they gave up for Ngakwe, it's looking like a pretty darn good move for them. I mean, you, you give up a third and, and fifth round pick, whatever. You've got Super Bowl aspirations this year. So who cares? about that if you are uh, if you're the Baltimore Ravens as for Dez yeah that was not on my radar when you consider that all of a sudden AB is, is looking to get back into the swing of things uh, Martavis Bryant I mean he, he's been thrown out there since the offseason who knows what's going on with him so uh, would have certainly guessed AB before Dez for this Baltimore team but 
Maybe Mr. Big Chest is, is already on a PJ out to Seattle. Mm. <laughs> well, you know what? Sticking with wide receivers here, Mr. Backo, uh, one guy I obviously wanted to ask you about while we have you here on the program is Juju Smith-Schuster. It seems like there's been two camps this week, right? Uh, one side is, man, Juju has been brutal. He's been really bad. He's done. He's getting phased out of the yep. offense. This is his last year. Hey, try and trade him for a linebacker even if you can. And then there's the complete other side, which is saying, oh, no, he's getting double-teamed like crazy. It's fine. He's opening up space for everybody else. I think the true answer is somewhere there in the middle, right? I do think he's commanding attention, but I do think it's fair to ask him to do more. Is this just the function of the offense? Is this the way it's set up and, and we will still see have Juju have some big games throughout the season? <laughs> well, Wes, uh, it's, the answer is nowhere near trade Juju for a linebacker. <laughs> Thank you. Crap when Thank you. Five and zero and the offense is finally clicking. That must have been Moses' uh, idea. But anyway, wow. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, he, he's let's you know nothing has changed with him physically since week one when he caught two touchdowns. Uh, he hasn't gotten banged up. He, he's sitting out Wednesday practices just to keep his knee fresh, which makes sense to me. It's, it's working for him. I, I don't think there's any underlying injury issue there. It's just the teams are paying really close attention to him, and uh, he's got three years of, of a resume of what he can do in the slot. I mean, you score 97-yard touchdowns your first two seasons in the league. Teams are going to be well aware uh, of your breakaway ability and game-changing ability wherever the Steelers want to put you. So, uh, to me, the most promising thing about Juju, while the production isn't there lately, He's just he's winning and he loves it. And I think that after last year, people were questioning some of Juju's motivations. And I'll just pull back the curtain here real quick. You know, last year we were actually in the locker room, unlike 2020 uh, situation covering the NFL. When he was going through those injuries, guys, when, when he wasn't producing with Mason and Duck at quarterback and the Steelers were struggling, he was not a fun guy to talk to. He wasn't very approachable. Uh, I wrote one story about him in December kind of saying that, you know, he, he's taking a lot of heat right now and he's just trying to live his life and be Juju. But it wasn't a fun interview for either of us, I don't think. Then you flash forward to, to talking to him on Zoom yesterday, coming off the six yards receiving tied for the lowest in his career. And, and this was the most excited he's been to talk with us in a long time. He's going on and on about how Chase Claypool – is his neighbor, lives right above him. The two chop it up all the time, playing Call of Duty, playing Uno, um, you know, just hanging out off the field. And uh, I, I don't think it's an act from him. I think he's a guy that uh, he cares the most about winning and celebrating that uh, more than he does his own personal stats, which, let's be honest, every player wants to, to do well individually. But what? We don't uh, want to do well. We don't is. care about stats. <laughs> that's where his focus is right now. And, and I, I believe him when he says, uh, that he cares more about being five and up. Come on, man! You know none of us care about stats, especially wide receivers. What? In a Never. contract year. Come on, who cares about stats? Here's the other thing about that, though, most like a lot of people, Steelers fans, have questioned everything Juju does away from the field with his brand and marketing and everything, and asked if that means that that he's serious enough about football. I'll flip that coin over to the other side and say. I think it's easier to not worry too much about where your next deal is coming from and what you're going to get paid for your football salary when you've got all this other stuff that pays the bills for you at the end of the day. And, and I do think that's a factor in Juju's life. Yeah, without a doubt, I agree, man. When you look at uh, what he's been able to do from a YouTube standpoint, some of the money he generates in there, I mean, that that, that definitely is something to consider. Um, but I Other teams are going to want him. Like, even if the Steelers say, yeah, we, we got to shave a little money at receiver, we, mm -hmm. we can't give you the buku buck. You're telling me those teams in L.A. aren't going to want a Juju Smith-Schuster Come coming off of a, <laughs> an under one, a sub-1,000 season. You don't think the Dolphins are going to want to see Juju and Tua as a one-two punch? Either I mean, that or, or really even the Chargers. Down in Miami. I was, yeah. You look at the Chargers with Justin Herbert as well, man, right there in L.A., that'll kind of give them a little boost from a, a notoriety so standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to get paid. He's going to get paid. Yeah, without a doubt. Now, I did want to ask, um, as it pertains to the Titans matchup, man, what are you seeing right now, man? Anything that, that's standing out to you the most? We know Derrick Henry is a, a freakazoid, but anything other that, that, that has popped out to you? Yes, I, I think the key or one of the keys here when you look at the Titans and maybe the weakest link for them is they're the left side of, of their line with replacing Taylor Lewan at left tackle. 
Tyson Brylo is a guy who came in, and he's a career journeyman, a backup. You probably haven't heard of him because he just hasn't been a starter for very many teams or, or for extended stretches in this league, and there's a reason for that. As soon as he came out on Sunday, he gives up a strip sack to one J.J. Watt. First play in. <laughs> And he probably texted TJ or Bud after the game and was like, yo, you guys can get this, man. So uh, that's going to be a major question mark. It's going to be a major question mark for the Titans in pass protection. Uh, so that to me, I mean, when you talk about two teams that are 5-0, and you got to nitpick to find weaknesses on both sides of the ball. And, and that to me is the, the biggest question mark for, for either team right now is, is what the, the Titans are going to do. I mean, everybody here in Pittsburgh is saying – how do you replace Devin Bush? Do you need to go bring in someone else? Is Robert Spillane up to the challenge? There's a bigger, an even bigger question uh, injury-wise in, in Tennessee with Taylor Lewan being down. All right, Mr. Backo. Well, you know what time it is then. The people are waiting to hear from you, Mr. Backo. And, you know, I mean. <laughs> I got to eat some crow, first of all. <laughs> I gotta have a big helping, helping. Oh man, buddy! After last season, I mean, you you've been struggling here since week one, partner. We gotta get back on the right track. Baker said it feels like 0-6 instead of 4-2, and two, and I have to concur as somebody who rode with him in the Cleveland Browns last <laughs> week. I feel like I'm 0-16. Jeez. <laughs> all right, well, let's get back on track this week. Now, this is the part where we fight over what spread we're going with here, all right? Because it opens Steelers one-and-a-half-point favorites. Now the Titans, the Titans are the favorites right are one-and-a-half-point yeah, favorites. Yeah, I saw that. It was, I saw it at minus one yesterday right. at, like, 3, 4 o'clock. So, yeah. yeah. So, all right, Mr. Backo, you're always our neutral third party here. What what spread are we going with for the Titans game? I like Titans minus one and a half. <laughs> all right. You would go with that one. So, we're giving the Steelers, we're giving the Steelers plus one and a half points. Mr. Backo, your score prediction is? Cool. Well, last week I picked the underdog straight up, and it was the team opposing the Steelers. This week? I'm going with the underdog straight up again. Another road team, but I'm Woo! going with the Steelers here. I've been picking against them <laughs> all week or all season, it feels like. I can't do it again. At some point, i got to realize these guys are clicking on both sides of the ball. Uh-oh. And, uh, again, you go back to that Titans offensive line. I'm worried about it against this Steelers front that is playing so darn well. So I'm going to say the Steelers go down to Nashville and win it. Uh, by a touchdown, I'll say 33-26, a fun back-and-forth game where Ben just makes one more play than Ryan Tannehill in the end. Now, 33-26, put it on the board. Now, I, I do, I'm do. i sure we, we have this documented. Has he picked the Steelers at any point this season? Oh, yeah, he's picked, okay, the, okay, he's picked the Steelers sure. four times. Not, so. as a, not as an underdog. Right, really right, that is correct. Because that's what makes uh, me nervous. He, I was like, don't, he don't. Did, he did pick the Texans and the Browns yeah. to win straight yeah, up. Just tried yeah. to make sure he wasn't jinxing us, that's all. Same one in the jinxes. All right, last thing we got to settle before we get back out of here, all right? And, Motes, I've been wanting okay. to discuss this with you all week, but I wanted Brian in on this conversation. Mm-hmm. Fellas, we got to decide this before the end of the week. I gots to know. And I turn it over to you first, Mr. Backo, because, you know, guess first. Is Mapletron a good nickname? Yes. Yes, I think it's really good, actually, because the, the first thing you think about with Claypool is Canada. first thing you think <laughs> about with Canada is the Maple Leaf. He does remind you a little bit of Calvin Johnson. And I don't like Air Canada as a nickname because, let's be honest, <laughs> Vince Carter owns that forever and for always. Just because he's retiring doesn't mean you pass the torch to a guy in another sport from Canada. Come on now with that. And I think when he was drafted, Claypool said some people call him the Canadian bandit. Uh, that just doesn't really roll off the tongue quite enough for me. Mapletron it is. I swing my gavel. I'm cool with Mapletron. I mean, it doesn't really move the needle for me either way. I didn't have an issue with Air Canada because from my generation, Vince Carter isn't Air Canada. Vince Carter is Vince Sanity Ooh. in my generation. I, I, that's just how I looked at it. But Ooh. Mapletron is cool. I mean, for me, though, I, we know what Calvin Johnson is. I'm I'm not a big fan of putting that on I just on don't people, like man. I just don't like nicknames that are knockoffs of other nicknames. Right, right. Like we know what Megatron is. Unless it's is. in jest. Like when we when we yeah. call Brian Scalabrini the white mamba, okay, that's kind of right, funny. Right. But this is not in jest. I just we are and and Mr. Backo, I need your verdict on this too. You can swing the gavel on this too. We're not great at nicknames in Pittsburgh. We're just not. 
Uh, hear me out here. Here are our biggest nicknames. Sid the Kid. Wow, a lot of creativity with that well, he, one. He had, he had a baby face, though. Big Ben. Wow, a lot of creativity with that big one. Guy. He's big. <laughs> what do we call Andrew McCutcheon? Kutch. I mean, oh, wow, we really went off the board there. Yeah, but, so, the bus, but, but this the, the bus thing. is one of the best. The bus is great. But, but this is the thing, The though. anchor for Matt Filer is a great a nickname. Simplicity. Over, over, just some complex for the sake of it being complex, man. Yeah, but like Big the body's a good nickname, you but know. I'm saying though, I it, like Big Ben is iconic. Is simple. It is Set iconic. I'm just saying it didn't, simple. it didn't, it didn't take a lot of creativity. Yeah, but, like Mapletron doesn't take a lot of creativity though, for the people because some people get enamored with trying to be super creative and they miss the window. And that's true. Sometimes it's simple. the true answer is right in the middle, right? Exactly, man. You don't gotta overthink it. Don't overcomplicate it. Let's just, hey, it's simple. Play our game. <laughs> one other quick point, guys. In Detroit, they're calling Kenny Galladay their number one receiver. They call him Baby Tron. I don't. Apparently, he doesn't like Baby that nickname. Tron. So maybe receivers don't want to be compared in that way to Calvin Johnson. Just, just food for thought on the Maple Train, uh, the Maple Tron train. <laughs> no, that's a great point by you too. I would not want to be compared to one of the biggest freaks that we've ever seen at that position. As well, especially in Detroit. Yeah, <laughs> hey, baby Tron. Megatron. I don't know if you like that, but that was pretty dope for a kicker. <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty dope for a uh, a football writer. Brian Backo, our buddy from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Follow him on Twitter at Brian Backo. He doesn't do cap. He hasn't changed his number since the seventh grade. Hear him here with us every Thursday, buddy. We appreciate your time as always. Sure thing. I'll talk to you when I get back from Nashville. There he goes, having a honky tonk time. Brian Backo. Down in Music City. Finally picking the Steelers to win. I mean, it's about, about time. Jeez. Jeez Louise. 33-26. to 26, So says the Batman. I'll take it. I'll take it. It's a start. But now, if, if he jinxes us, if he jinxes us, I'm going to have an issue. He's making me real nervous. I kind of liked him being the bad guy. Yeah, and saying that the Eagles were going to exactly. hang 30 on the Steelers. Exactly. And- Texans going to drop 30. 36. Yeah, oh, excuse me, 36. And get the win, right? Wasn't it 36 plus the win? Yep. Yeah. Yep, Browns 29 plus the win. Yeah. Like, like it's making me nervous now that he's he's on our side here, man. Now, you and I have not been fantastic either. And okay? I have an issue with that. We, we are. The one consistent, though, is this. We've always we're picked three them and to two. win. Yeah, it's just the spread has been the biggest issue we're for us. We're three and two, you and I, as it sits right yeah. now. Again, not the greatest, but respectable. Yeah, but it's the difference between spread issues and actual who you're picking to win issues. That's all I'm saying. Brian Backo, one and four. All right, so we're three and two. He's one and four. All right, so I mean, clearly, you know, we need to leave this to the experts here. Okay, I mean, come on. So with that, I think the final score is going to be I'm just kidding. You got to listen tomorrow. Oh, what did you think this was? Uh, on Twitter, at West Steeler, at the body 52 The body. On the other side, we will close out the first hour of the show as we continue to preview Steelers-Titans Sunday in Music City. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, it's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Anytime you play Derrick Henry, you are uh, wandering into the danger zone for sure. This is a guy, I think, eight of his last 13 games, he's gone for over 100 yards. Uh, what, almost a 200-yard performance against the Texans this past week, 180, 190-some yards against the Texans. But Arthur Motes, what I want to ask you is, besides Derrick Henry... How can this offense move the ball in the Steelers, right? Because we know the onus is going to be on slowing down Derrick Henry, not letting him get to the second and third level, right? But besides the very talented running back, uh, where else where else can they uh, have some success? 
man, obviously AJ Brown, he he's definitely emerged as a legit number one receiver. We saw that last year with him going over the thousand yard mark. Yep. And then obviously this past game they just came off of against the Texans. He had a really strong performance as well, one of his best of this season. When you couple that with uh, Corey Davis, another top pick for them, returning to action this week, man, I, I can see a scenario where they can have some success in the passing game. Um, now, granted, the, the caveat is this. Those two guys as receivers alone can present a little bit of challenges, more A.J. Brown than Corey Davis. But for me, the issue falls back on Ryan Tannehill. I just don't think that he is efficient enough or accurate enough as a passer hmm. to beat the Steelers for four quarters. I think – his passing success since he's been in Tennessee has been strongly predicated on the success that they've been able to have with Derrick Henry. Now, we know also what Tannehill presents from a running standpoint as well. People don't talk about that a lot. He was a former college receiver. He does have the ability to run. So with certain coverages, it will put you in a bind with some of the man-to-man stuff that the Steelers have been loving to do. You have to be careful with that yeah. against them. That's another scenario where I can see them potentially presenting some challenges because you would love – if you're the Steelers to go out there and just play man-to-man against these receivers because A.J. Brown is really the only, like I said, big threat in that regard. Right, right. But you really can't just play exclusive man against the Titans because of Tannehill's ability to run. That's the worst feeling, man. You have everybody covered, and then he's taking off and running because nobody accounts for the quarterback in that particular uh, style of defense. And he's not scared to do that either. No, not at all. Not at all. And he's not scared to take a hit. Think of him like a – I mean, he's very similar in terms of his running style to a Josh Allen. I was just going to say Josh Allen. I mean, very, very similar. Like I said, he's not as accurate of a passer as Josh is at this point. But from an athletic standpoint, he he is very, very similar to Josh in terms of – He's not afraid to take a hit. He's fast enough that he can hurt you. Yeah. yeah, a little bit bigger. But he's fast enough where he can hurt you if you allow him to to not have a spy on him and just let him take off. People don't think of him in the vein of a Deshaun Watson and stuff like that in terms of can he move. But this guy can definitely move. Yeah, if you give him space, he'll take it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he will take the 8 to 12-yard runs all day. Yeah, he... It's an interesting case when evaluating Ryan Tannehill, right? I mean, he's 14-4 and four since taking over as the starter there. That's certainly nothing to scoff at. But it, it, is, a, it is a team predicated on running the ball. It is. But I, I, I wonder, too, then, along, along that vein, if this is maybe the week where the Titans have to pass to run the ball instead of their usual run to set up the pass, right? Because... I mean, how good the Steelers have been against teams running the ball. And we know that Derrick Henry is a different beast, but, I mean, the Steelers, Saquon, Melvin Gordon, Miles Sanders minus that one draw play where he went for 74 yards to the house, Kareem Hunt, who's been an NFL rushing champion in the past. The Steelers have done a really good job at slowing down a bunch of very talented running backs so far this season. I wonder if maybe the game plan for Tennessee is is that we're going to have to pass the ball a little bit to open things up kind of the opposite of how they normally do it um I mean I can see that scenario also if I'm the Titans though just to play devil's advocate I could point to some of these matchups and ask hey did the Giants abandon the rush too early hmm. the game was not a hand and they just stopped handing the ball off to, the Titans uh, will not abandon the run right too early. and I was like even last week with the Browns we didn't really get the opportunity to see Kareem Hunt and that Browns offense really commit to the run I mean you think about it their first three plays they were down seven <laughs> yeah. and then from there it was like oh another three and out, another touchdown you look up and it's 21 nothing now you're scrambling trying to, to get back in the game and things like that the Titans number one they won't allow themselves to deter from committing to the run Derrick Henry is going to run the ball at least 20 times that's just what it is even the Thursday night or the yeah the the Tuesday Monday night game that they had against the Titans last week or whatever right even though the game got out of hand because of the turnovers, they still had Derrick Henry run the ball 15 times. Like, they're going to find ways to get him involved. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing in terms of the Titans' mindset. If, if I'm them, I'm, I'm telling myself, I'm talking to my team, I'm saying, hey, this team hasn't faced a team that's as committed to the run as we are. They haven't faced a team that, even if it's only a one-score a sc- a one score game, is going to continue to keep this mm. team honest and not be one-dimensional. So that's the reason I, I would personally say that I don't think the Titans will come in with the pass-happy mindset because for them, that's just not their strength. Even, like I said, when you watch Tannehill, his best throws are solely related 
to the play action pass. Right. When yeah. he's just having to simply drop back and throw, that's not his game. Can he make the short to intermediate passes? Sure. But that's not going to beat you over four quarters, and they know that. So that's the only reason why I don't see them trying to change their mantra, especially with them being 5-0. and They're saying, yeah. man, this is what brought it's us to the dance. Yeah, it's got us this far. Right. Even with us having some inefficiencies on defense, we are able to run the ball, and for the most part, we don't beat ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we're going to keep doing that until proven otherwise. Yeah, and it's 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 fourteen and four with Ryan Tannehill. It got right. us to the AFC Championship you game. Said fourteen and four under Tannehill. That's a large sample yeah. size for him. Yeah, and they still have the same pieces. Now the Taylor Juan loss, you're going to feel that a lot more in the pass game than the run game. But because of the play action pass that they do, is going to mask it a little bit. But that's why it's so important and everything is really being pushed to the table in terms of the Steelers from a run defense standpoint. They have to stop that run. If they make them one-dimensional, this isn't a game. If they allow Derrick Henry and that offense to run with some success, not to the tune of 4.8 yards, I think it's with the averaging per carry right now, not to the tune of that, but if they allow him to just be comparable and keep them on schedule, it's going to be a long day. We got some tweets about Derrick Henry rolling in here. We got some tweets about is Mapletron, if or if not, Mapletron is a good nickname. We will get to those on the other side here to start the second hour at Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body. If you want to join the conversation. 60 in the book, 60 to go. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. (laughs) Well, that's good. Now I'm lost. Wesley Euler, Arthur Motes, hour number two inside the electric factory. You want to chime in, find us on Twitter. Arthur Motes is taking a swig of water. So I, I appreciate give, you I gotta stalling him, right I got to give him a second here. You're a real one for that. <laughs> at Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. I was really thirsty. I, I, I was no, that, listen, I was thirsty. That, <laughs> that, happens, that happens from time to time. It does. Yeah, you it. Say, how are you doing? I am thirsty. I got my part out. I'm going to drink my drink. I mean, you weren't lying. Yeah. You're being honest. Transparency here. Transparency always. <laughs> Uh, Arthur Motes, tonight it's the NFC East Mega Bowl. Oh, man. Who's going to be the division leader after the night? Who we hammering? Giants, <laughs> Eagles. Uh, Eagles are favored by four and a half points. How you How, feeling? man? They got 20 guys on IR. They just put Zach Ertz just on 20? IR. Like, I thought it was more. Yeah, they, they, they got too many guys hurt, man. So, hey, Give me the Giants plus four and a half. I like the Giants I think in this the, one. The Eagles might pull it out, but to win for them to win by five, yeah, I don't I, know. I don't see that, man. They're just too banged up. Yeah. I'm not sure how. And I also wonder, too, man, anytime you lose a close one the way they did last week against Baltimore, the hangover effect. Sometimes, man, it lingers through. Sometimes you question yourself when it gets to some of these closer closer matchups, which Mm -hmm. I do anticipate this being a close matchup. I just think, man, when you look at the Eagles and how obviously they were able to come back but then ultimately lose a, a tighter one to us, then you lose, like I said, you had a chance to tie it up potentially to go into overtime against Baltimore, you lose there. Sometimes that gets in your mind. Um, for me, man, I remember my rookie year in Buffalo. We ended up losing three games in a row in overtime. And for us, it became this thing of, all right, when the game got tight, we started looking around like, oh, all right, are we going to find a way to win? Or what's about to happen that's going to be mad? Like, what's going to cause us to lose this time? How creative can we get? Like you can feel the boogeyman right. creeping and, over and your you shoulder. Just, you literally spend the whole time looking over your shoulder, hoping and wishing that you don't lose versus – a team that's been there, done that, you're looking in these scenarios of saying, oh, we're about to win. How are we going to finish this right, out? Right. So that's we'll find the, a way. Right. That's my biggest concern right now with Philly, man, and why I just I, – I, I don't I don't see it happening, man. I think, I'm liking the yeah. Giants straight up, honestly, man. It might be – that might be the value play tonight. It might I, be. I like you could, probably get, some, up, you could probably get some good odds on the money line well, there. Well, see, I would hop in it, but I already got a mega, pol- uh, a mega parlay that's uh, already in the works this weekend, oh, man. Oh, parlay. Yeah, yeah. UFC, Steelers, got a whole bunch going Ooh. on. Par- parlay daddy right now, man. I see you. So, so I, I, see I, don't, you. I don't want to touch it and he goes, you know what I mean? I locked the man. I'm good to go. I see <laughs> you. You know, I'll give everybody my picks tomorrow when we get that yeah. paper, when I show you the money. See, sometimes, like you said, though, because the line moves, you got to hop on it when you get the, when you get the good one. Sometimes it's smart to yeah. wait until Sunday afternoon. Uh-huh. Sometimes it's smart to hammer on Tuesday. Absolutely, you, you, you got to know when it. to make the play. You, you got to know when it, to make the play. 
you know, you know, and just you know it when you see it. You know, it's like one of those things. It's a gut feeling. You know, it's a great feeling. They, you know? they say sometimes you gotta trust your gut, tap your wallet, believe your heart, listen to your ears. It's like music. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes you can't describe necessarily what you like in music. Right. You just know it when you hear it. It's like water. Describe how water tastes. I don't know, but I like it. It's cool. David tweets us here in regards to the question that I threw out in the first hour. Is Mapletron a good nickname? David says, I'm not feeling it at all, fam. I like to play on Canada, though. How about Steel City Canuck? <laughs> Steel Town Hoser. Oh, geez. The North Star. Now, there's an interesting one. The North Star. The North Star. Oh, but I, I feel he like, says anything but Mapletron. Yeah, I just feel like the North Star man is gonna have people getting a little biblical a little bit. Oh man, mm-hmm. what, think about you know saying uh, one of them stars. And was following. to yeah. you know uh, the Dallas Stars before uh, they moved to Dallas, yeah. they were the Minnesota North Stars. Right. So there might be some of the yeah, absolutely, you know, right. the connotation there. Yeah. Or we could just say, you know what. Mm. Chase, you, you you make your own nickname. You know, we, I know guys who made their own <laughs> nicknames. <laughs> they call me Bloody J. Who calls you that? Me. I gave myself that well, name. Did you so, give yourself the body nickname? Not a chance. I know. I not know. a chance. I know. We've heard that story before. <laughs> That's where I give our buddy Adam Crowley all kinds of grief. That guy gives himself more nicknames you can't than Crow Man. Yourself. And then he and then he steals like the nicknames of former NBA players. Like he calls himself the answer. He calls himself the truth. Like Stop like it. like Allen Iverson and no, Paul Pierce don't exist. He's not doing oh, that. Oh, I know. He he's was not, not doing, anymore. Oh my gosh. Wow. I know. I said, why don't you just call yourself his heir to wow. <laughs> What are you waiting on? <laughs> Take it easy, King James. You, you want to be the doctor today? Uh, you Dr. Crown Man? That's who you are? Jeez Louise. <laughs> call this show the showtime. Yeah, the just showtime, wait till he dips baby. into the NFL. Next thing he'll be calling right. himself the Minister of Defense. Right. <laughs> Mav tweets here, I've been to Nashville twice for Steelers games. Never a good feeling. I'm super worried about a repeat of a game that looks a lot like the Jacksonville playoff game from a few years ago. I, I will say this, though. Last hmm. time we were in Tennessee, 2014. Mm-hmm. On the road. Mm-hmm. And you saw Talk what about happened. It. Talk about it. L. Bell. Actually, El Bell and Le- or not El Bell. It was El Bell and Legarrette Blunt. That Le-Garrett was his. That Blunt. was his last time. Yeah. That was a. Ooh, that was a crazy <laughs> after after the game scenario. But yeah, man, all that. Yeah, yeah. But that was a good game. He says. Map says I'm not picking a winner. I just think the score will be 24 to 20. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> we got some more tweets here. We'll get to them on the other side. Keep those rolling in at Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body and. You know, we haven't done three question Thursday in a couple weeks here because we we just in season we got a lot of content to get to and only so much time to do it. But I do have an important non football question. All right, a total off the board Uh-oh. football question for you. Arthur know, Mose. those are my favorite it's, type of it's questions food too. Food related you know too, which you know oh, Arthur Mose don't you loves. Play with me like that now. So I have to ask him about this. It's a new trend that is um that is burning up the meat smoking world, shall we say? Ooh. Now I'm intrigued. And so I'm going to get to that uh, with Arthur Motes before we get out of here as well. So plenty to get to on this Thursday. Get those tweets in before we get out of here. The conversation continues. On the other side, you are listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. A lot of things on the table today. Our buddy Devin in Denver chiming in here. Are you talking about that flamethrower? I'm talking about the flamethrower. Oh, guess what? What's up? He called me Monday on the Blitz. Or not on the Blitz, on the on the the whatever yeah. show we're calling it that Wesley Euler does for five hours by himself. I didn't tell you this. We've been calling it the Afternoon Delight. Ooh. Yeah. Afternoon Delight. We had somebody call Where in. Where's that from? Man. Anchorman. Yeah. I'm surprised <laughs> Afternoon Delight. <laughs> we had somebody call in. His name was Les. Less like West, wow, but with, yeah, a w. with an L, or, and uh, and he's yeah, like with an L, West, but yeah. with a W, or <laughs> <laughs> you know, like first, with a W, what you know, first names are my strong suit, what <laughs> like West with an L, <laughs> like West with a W. 
we had a guy named Les who called in, and he said, what about the afternoon delight? You know, you go on at 2 o'clock, it's the afternoon. And so we've been sticking with that. That's been our working title. Um, but a lot of things we've been kicking around here on the show today. One of them has been a nickname for Chase Claypool, the human flamethrower. Devin says, what about Cool Claypool? I think there's something there. There's a, there's a, there's something there. I, mean, I don't hate it. There, there. He does have a name that you can do a lot with. All right. So that's hey. Maybe we can let Mapletron be a placeholder for now. But I don't think we have to be married to it necessarily. Yeah, we don't have Going to like forward. love it. We just you know. Um, Jab just tweeted us uh, about Yannick Ngakwe. How does this affect the Ravens' rotation? We talked about that a little bit at the start of the show. But Arthur Motes, the two things that have that the Ravens could really use so far this season, despite the 5-1 and one start. A pass rusher and a wide receiver, they go and get Yannick Ngakwe, and they go and get Des Bryant. Without a doubt, man. I definitely think that that helps them out. Um, I know uh, Bat goes up here, and he was talking about Judon and, mm-hmm. in terms of how people view him, but in terms of just being a pure pass rusher, Yannick Ngakwe is that. Yes. Yannick, like I said, it doesn't have to be scheme-related. He can win in a pass rush. So for them, man, um, in terms of a defense that already has really good coverage guys on that defense, um, not even really good elite-level cover guys, I mean, yeah. we could see that. I think that, man, that's going to be the the bigger move. Um, in terms of Des Bryant, I still have my questions in terms of what he has oh, ab- left. absolutely. Because even in Dallas, he wasn't separating anymore, but we know he excels from a combat catch standpoint. That, though, challenges is going to present challenges for Lamar Jackson, though, in terms of – because of the lack of separation, you're really going to have to have really pinpoint accuracy and ball mm-hmm. placement. So that would be, like I said, something that challenges Lamar in that department if Dez does become their feature guy in that regard. Yeah, and, and TC brings that up here on Twitter too uh, about Lamar. And I do think he needs to be better. He needs to be more accurate. But at the same time too, yeah, if you're watching their games, I mean, his receivers receivers are getting no separation. Yeah, I mean, Devin Duvernay, Hollywood Brown, they're, they're getting nothing from those guys so far through the first few games. So they're they're trying to shuffle some cards there on the Ravens' deck. Uh, Richard tweets here, I'm tired of everybody. <laughs> I'm tired of everybody giving all this hype to Derrick Henry. Uh, he thinks our front seven is the uh, – Richard says our front seven is the best in the NFL and will probably be the only one to shut him down. I think the Steelers certainly have a chance of doing that. I, I, I feel like I'm the only one that's not as, like, but concerned shutting about him it. Down, well, I mean – if if Derrick Henry goes for seventy yards, did the Steelers shut him down? Yes, but that's still that's not a that's, that's not effective a, though. Yeah, that's not a horrible performance from yeah. Derrick Henry. You know what I mean? For me, I, I don't know. I don't think that he's gonna have that type of day. I really like when I watch them on tape, man. I think our interior D linemen are gonna cause I think really so big problems for Especially them. Especially without Luan now, right? And and Derrick Henry is a downhill runner. Once he gets his feet going, he's good. When he has to start and stop, that's where he's least effective. And I think he's gonna have to do that a lot because of this D line that the Steelers have and just how they've been able to dominate their gaps from a run game standpoint. When you look at Tyson, when you look at Tua, and you look at Cam. The lit one makes a good point here the on lit, Twitter. Lit, lit, lit. She said, don't you think like Chase Claypool already had a nickname? Because, I mean, everybody has a nickname, right? Especially if you grow up playing sports. Everybody gets nicknames. I mean, they used to call me Baby Jesus. So All Rebecca right, says, she tags Chase in the tweet. She says, come on, Chase. Steeler Nation needs to know. That's a good point. What did they call you? What were you known as? What was your alias? Mantooth and Snipes. Yeah. That was it for me. We've talked about it this before because Wes Mantooth from Anchorman. Oh, yeah. a lot of Anchorman plugs today on the show. And then Wesley Snipes, yeah. obviously. For me, man. Snipes and Mantooth. Yeah, it was always the body since high school. And Baby Jesus. Baby Jesus. Uh, AMG, Arthur Moe's game because it was me and whoever else was on defense with me. Harry says yeah. Canadian stretch for Chase Claypool for a nickname. All right, let's have this talk. I get that he's Canadian. I get there's not a lot of Canadians does in the he, NFL. Does he take pride in being Canadian? Like, like, does he want well, Canada he does, in his he, nickname? Well, he, That's when what he I'm does asking, his interview like, zooms, he has the Canadian flag in the background. Okay, so I'm okay. sure he's a very proud Canadian. Okay. But, like, do we have to pitch? Does everything have to be Canadian for the guy? That's I mean, what I'm trying to figure out. I just didn't know, like, his his level of commitment to the whole Canada thing. Like, does that have, have to, to be we don't in have the to nickname? pigeonhole right. ourselves in that regard. You know? We could just call him. I don't know, 7-Eleven. <laughs> 7-Eleven. It's always open. The Steel Town Canuck. <laughs> he is from British Columbia, too. So there's BC, CP. Like, why has it got to be location? I, I feel like, man, the good nicknames, you don't have to just think, oh, he's from this place, so let's call him that. Like, right. 
Nah, it's usually just like, yo, this came to mind when I saw him. This is what we're rolling with. And so we'll we'll wait and see if there's something that sticks. His mama name was Chase. I'm going to call him Chase. Nah, I'm playing. <laughs> Uh, last chance to get your tweets in at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. We'll answer the final tweets on the other side. We're also uh, going to hear from Stefan Tuit as well. Do too. it, to so it. Plenty to get to before we get out of here. Stick with us. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Going to hear from Stefan Tuit here in a minute, Arthur Motes, but I think we've got our best suggestion. Uh-oh, uh-oh. For the Chase Claypool nickname so far. I'm excited, man. King Dussy chimes in here. Call him Chase Bank because the man is money. I kind of mm. like that. There's something there. There's something with the Chase Bank. There's something with the That's ooh, low key. Right, That's low key. It is different. Ooh. Chase Cl- hey, Chase Bank. That boy always open and he's straight money. There's something there with Chase Bank. Uh, like David that. says Chase Money Claypool. Yeah, there, there's something there. We're cooking lie, with something. I like that. We're cooking with something, folks. Ooh, Chase Bank, because the man is money. All right, we're, we're starting the revolution here on the show. Scrap Mapletron. On to Chase Bank. We're going to figure out something. <laughs> we're going to figure out something. It's for a good sure. problem to have, man. You know, it, it is a good problem. When, to we, have. when we're trying to figure out a nickname, that's because we care about you a lot, man. And we want right. to make sure it sticks. And you know what? He's he's only a rookie. Hopefully, we're gonna have plenty of time here Shit. to uh, to get all this worked out. Um, Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, wrapping up the show here on a Thursday. Before we get out of here this morning, uh, one of the guys that we've been kind of wanting to hear from. He's been really coming on these past couple weeks. Stefan Tuitt is who I'm speaking about, of course. A lot of discussion about Ben Roethlisberger, obviously the franchise quarterback coming back from major elbow surgery into this season but to it I think kind of flew under the radar a little bit in that regard he deserves some time too I think to get back up to speed Arthur Motes and man he's rounding into form here these last couple weeks without a doubt man um you look at what he's been able to do from a pass rush standpoint and from a run support standpoint man he's making plays every week he's flashing on camera every week and I just love how fundamental he is I know early on in his career we would have to kind of get on him about that because he's so athletic Sometimes his technique would kind of take yeah. a, a, a backseat to that. But now watching him on tape after the injury, man, you could just see he's a lot more fundamentally yeah. sound. And when you have a guy as talented as he is playing with great technique, that's the recipe for success. That's what's made Cam Hayward so good throughout his career. He's He 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 learned early on the importance of being a fundamentalist, not just a great athlete. And, and it looks like two of the starting to realize that as well and turn the corner a lot, man. And they're going to need him to continue that, obviously, going forward without Devin Bush. Uh, last one here as it relates to Chase Claypool and Mapletron. Mark submits, and i got to read this in like my boxing announcement, you know, my best Bruce Buffer oh, yeah. voice. Oh, yeah, give me is, one. This, give is, me this one. is pretty legit here. Ladies and gentlemen, the Canadian dream, a Steelers touchdown machine. Mama named him Chase because that's what the DBs do. Chase the deep end Claypool. <laughs> All right, all right. That's a lot to pronounce there, Mark, but I like I liked Mama named him Chase because that's what the DBs do. His mama named him Chase. I'm going to call him Chase. I love it. I'm the Canadian it. dream. There's something there, too, although we're starting to dip into like, WWE territory here with some of these We, we did. We did. It, it happens. All right. And what about, well, you know what? Maybe he doesn't have a nickname, but they are Notre Dame brethren. There we go. That's the transition I'm looking for. Oh, okay, from, I say, where are you going with this? From all one right. Notre Dame star to another uh, here is what Stefan Tuitt had to say just a few hours ago this morning ahead of Steelers-Titans Sunday in Nashville. Attack like uh, this Titans team. Uh, they can run the ball. Uh, obviously, Tannehill's been on a, a, a tear since he became the starter last year. Uh, is the focus still stopping the run first? Most definitely. That's their bread and butter. Um, they got a great back in Henry, and we got to make sure we limit him and stop him. Dale, go ahead. We'll stick with you. Okay, <laughs> Stefan, uh, uh, you're off to a, a great start again this year. You were last year as well. 
Uh, do you feel like it's finally all starting to, to come together uh, for you as a player? Oh, it is. It already have been. It's just, like I said, being consistent and being on the field. And, um, you know, you can't control what football gives, but all, all I can control is my um, output of what I do off the field and what I do before games. And that's what I've been doing a great job of this year. All right, let's go back to Brian Backo. Brian, go ahead. Yeah, along those same lines, how much do you feel like you're doing that that's maybe not showing up in the box score? Things like taking on double teams or, you know, filling a gap that that's allowing other guys to, to go make the plays. Well, in our type of defense, it's a lot of those. Um, but that's that's just how we roll. That's how we run our defense. And uh, to be able to hold up two guys for our linebackers to slide through and make the play in the backfield, and that, that's a plus. That's a great job. And uh, to keep the guard off the back, it's a plus too as well. So there's a lot of things that's not really pretty on stat sheets that you can see, but we're doing a lot of those things on film. Joe Rudder. Hi, hi, Stephon. I just jumped on. I don't know if you were asked this yet. Um, what makes the uh, what makes the Titans' offensive line so good, and why do you think uh, how hard? What's the challenge of bringing uh, Tannehill down this week? Well, they do a good job of, like I said, running the ball. They they run the ball very well. They got a great back um, who's putting up prolific numbers, and uh, they're very physical, old school football. And um, you know, it's the type of game where you got to buckle your chin strap and you got to make sure you come prepared and bring physicality to them. And along with that success in running, it's causing Tannehill to be able to have success in passing because they run a lot of their boots off of it too as well. So if we could stop one aspect, we'd be able to stop the other. We'll stay with you, Joe. Um, yeah, as a follow about, um, you know, Cam came off of his uh, pec injury a couple of years ago and had a pretty good year off of that and kind of got things rolling. Do you feel kind of you're like following in those footsteps? Uh, I'm never going to put myself in somebody else's shoes. That was their journey. Um, my journey is just taking it one game at a time, and when I look up when the, at the end of the season. All right, Teresa, we'll go over to you. Hey, Stefan, can you talk about the job that Tyson has been doing in the middle for you guys and how steady and consistent he's been? Um, he's been very steady, been very consistent. You know, Tyson's been in the NFL for a while now, and he knows – played every position on the defensive line. Um, he's, I consider him to be a mentor along with Cam as well. You know, those guys, um, you know, know what to look for when they're looking for offensive lines. He's tendencies, see keys, and uh, play with great leverage. And uh, having him in the middle is really opening up our defense a lot to do a lot of things. Let's go to Chris Adamski. Chris, go ahead. Stefan, you've, you've, uh, and taking Wednesdays off, is, is that a monumental day in Steelers locker room whenever you reach the veteran status where you get the veterans Wednesday? And, or is that, is that related to your coming back from injury? Is that a common thing telling you what to do? Or how did that kind of come about? No, it's just, uh, like I said, taking care of the body and maintenance. Nothing else more than that. Do you have a follow-up, Chris? Nah, thank you, Mike. No problem. Let's uh, move over to Aditi. Good morning, Stefan. Um, when you look at Ryan Tannehill, is there anything specific that sticks out about him on film as compared to when you've seen him in the past and just in general? No, he's having a good time. Um, they're winning. Um, he's, you know, making great passes. He's uh, doing great reads. He got a good back. You could tell he's having a general good time and he had a, he's on a good team. And, um, you know, you could see that success. Um, you could see him radiating that success because of that. So it's going to be our job to go down there and, um, you know, separate them from their flow that they've been doing and uh, have a great def defensive performance game down there. We'll stay if with could, you, Dean. Yeah, okay, great. So then let me follow on that. You said it looks like he's having a great time. That's interesting because Ben yesterday kept talking about how James Conner is having fun. Why does that matter? How can you tell that a player is having fun? And why does it matter if a player is having a good time? Well, if a player is, I think that's anybody. If you're having a great time and doing it, whatever you're doing, you're going to have, you're going to show it. Your energy is going to show it. Um, the way you play or perform in whatever aspect in life that you're doing it, it's going to portray on that too. It's going to radiate. Um, you know, James Conner for us have been doing a great job and you have seen his numbers and uh, you just see that positive radiation that they're doing over there. So we got to make sure we stop that. Anything else, Aditi? Are you having fun, Stefan? I have a great time every day of life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Thanks, Bertie. No problem. 
Uh, Chris Adamski, did you have another follow up? Yeah, I just wanted to ask um, other teams. I mean, how often do you get in double team? Do you know, is, is it a play-by-play -play thing, a series-by-series, series, a game plan by game, opponent by opponent? Because obviously the, uh, these other offenses have a choice between you or Cam or even Tyson, TJ, but, you know, who are they going to focus on? And do you see it, you know, almost less this year because of all the guys around you? You've seen it more. How, how often did you see that, and how often does it switch? Uh, exactly like you said, it's a lot of great defensive front. It's a it's a great defensive front, and it's a lot of great guys along that defensive front. It's hard to double team anybody. Every, I mean, it's hard to double team everybody. And um, you know what comes with that is just their game plan, whoever they choose or whoever have the hot hand. Um, you have to, because other than that, you're just gonna be running one receiver and maxing everybody. All right, we got time for a couple more. Uh, Eric Hagman, go ahead. Good morning, Stefan. Could you uh, compare the mindset of the defense with the loss of Devin to what it was when you lost Ryan in the 2017 season? No, De Devin is a young, prolific guy, um, just like how Ryan was. And, you know, just any injury um, is, is saddened. Um, we all come out here to perform. That's our job, um, you know, to play for the organization and to go out week in and week out to do what we love, what we're passionate about. And when we're not able to do it because of injuries, it's a toll and um, he's going through it. He's going to have to go through a recovery journey and we all going to be there to support him. And if he ever need us for anything, we'll be there to be able to guide him and uh, give him some of our resources. So when he comes back next year, he comes back stronger and faster. Uh, Brian Backo, did you have a follow-up? Yeah, I was just going to ask one more, Stefan. Yeah. I know you guys were really excited to have fans back at, at home at Heinz Field, but this will be your first game uh, of 2020 in an opposing venue that that actually has fans do you look forward to that at all or is it just kind of whatever you you might not even notice that no i'm excited um to play this game to have fans is always great it brings the energy um so just to have fans for the tennessee titans and just to have fans on our side a little bit too it's going to be a really lot of fun to make plays and have them cheer for us all right last one uh joe rudder we'll go back to you Yes, fun. As someone who had their own uh, season-ending injury last year, does it does it give you a better appreciation when you come back for the game and for playing and you know what you have? Well, we are constantly in our books, in our iPads. You know, you don't even get a chance to look up, even have an off-season because we train and get ready for the next year. When you get injured, you you have more time to. Um, I would probably say. You know, look within, get a chance, the opportunity to see and reevaluate your life. So I think, um, you know, especially for me, that's how I took it. It was an opportunity just to reevaluate, get it, just to get a chance to realize how blessed I am in my position and, um, and to look at things in which I could be better at. And uh, I think that's the exciting component. If you were to look at it from a positive attribute side of it, of coming back off of those. Stefan Tuitt there speaking to the Pittsburgh media this morning. It's been exciting to see that big man get back out there and, and really start to just dominate and command attention and everything that that's going to mean for the defense as well. Last one here about Chase Claypool nickname on Twitter. Jason says, how about Chaser? Because every time you take a shot to the end zone, you need a chaser. I like that, Jason. It's simple, right? You just kind of throw an R on the end of his name. That's like the hockey thing to do, right? Just throw an R or a Y on the end of everybody's name, chaser. And there's some Canadian ties in there, too. I like it. We got some things cooking. That'll do it for the show today. Thanks to everybody who tweeted in. And thanks to uh, our guy, Brian Backo of the Post-Gazette, for joining us like he does on every Thursday. Tomorrow on the show, Five Star Friday, show me the money and we will completely deep dive into all the X's and O's of Steelers and Titans. We'll give you our predictions for how the game plays out as well. That'll do it for today. We'll talk the ends tomorrow. Same time, high noon, and same place. As always, you know where to find us on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, Steelers Nation Radio.